Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. So good to be back with you today. Julie and I were away in Kentucky where many of you know this time of year they have what's called autumn. Don't know if you've ever experienced autumn, but it is incredible. Um, it's the leaves change colors. They don't just turn brown and fall off like palm fronds. Um, but it was great to be in a different place in a different uh, weather environment. But it's awesome to be back with you. This is a special, special place and a special church. I hope you feel that. And I'm wondering, as we open God's Word today, what did you have to step away from to encounter God today? As, as Phil was leading us through those worship songs, Everlasting God, and we got into, into how great thou art, what, what did you kind of have to, have to let go of? Because we come in and we're, we're kind of down here, right? We're kind of thinking about all the challenges we have, maybe some very difficult things you may be going through. Um, and, and maybe this is your, some of you, it's your first time back. It's great to see you today. And um, maybe there's some financial challenges, maybe there's some health challenges, maybe some family challenges, some things that you just kind of, I just need to breathe that out for a moment and recognize that we serve an awesome God. I mean, really. And unless I can kind of step away from the, the mess that I kind of live in and, and encounter God on a Sunday morning and worship Him, I, I won't really encounter Him. I'll, I'll just keep thinking about the challenges that I have. See, we, we've got to get above where we normally live and come into His presence. Recognize I'm coming into the presence of the one who loves me more than anyone, more than I could possibly imagine. And I would say, even in this year 2020, that wants to do, he wants to do amazing things. Beyond our wildest dreams, I believe. Some people would think, well, you know, it's, it's 2020, we just got to survive, amen? Just got to get through it. Surely, when 2021 comes around, things will be better. But let me just warn you, they may not be. I think everyone's looking forward to New Year's Day like they never have before, right? But it's really not about time, is it? It's about what is happening in our world. And when you think about that, you have to imagine what must God be up to. What is he going to do through this? He has upset everyone's apple cart. He has allowed these things to happen in such a way that we got to go, man, something amazing is about to happen. I hope that you have that sense, and we've got to get out of ourselves a little bit and, and get above to where Jesus is and go, do it, Lord. Let your spirit fall. Let amazing things happen. Let it go we got to get in touch with what God wants to do, and that's why we're in this series called Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. From Mark, we're in chapter 8, beginning in verse 11 today. If you want to go ahead and get your scriptures out, go ahead and set down the waffles at home and pick up. Um, we're going to have waffles later, amen? Um, pick up your Word of God. I've got an actual physical copy, a virtual copy on your 
iPhone or your iPad or whatever is fine as well, but go ahead and open your Word of God. Today, today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus deals with the things that stop our dreams. The title of our message today is Dream Stoppers. We've looked at Jesus doing amazing things, right? He's healed people that had no business being healed. They weren't the people of God. He's fed people that had no business being fed in the wilderness. He fed 4,000. And this next passage comes on the heels of him feeding those 4,000. Jesus doing something amazing that was really a reprise of feeding 5,000 a little bit earlier. And it was so incredible that as these people are gathered, and if you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about this, and, and there's 4,000 people, and Jesus is teaching them for three days. And he goes, man, I said to the disciples, I really have compassion on them. I, I want to get them fed. I want to feed these people. And, they, and the disciples, well, how can we do that? All we've got is a few loaves of bread, a few sardines. They had just seen him feed 5,000 with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Why did they not remember that and just reminded us so much? We're so quick to forget what God has done. We need to remember that Jesus Christ has saved us, if you're a follower of his. He he has died for us. He's done amazing things for us. We so quickly forget. Jesus repeats the miracle and he feeds the 4,000. And then we come to chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus has gotten into a boat and he's crossed to the other side. And he's about to encounter some opposition. Chapter 8 of Mark, verse 11, the Bible says this. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply. In his spirit, and he said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given unto this generation. And he left them. He got into the boat again and went to the other side. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Mm. Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke uh, the 5,000, when I broke the loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets were left over? How many did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And and then he said, even for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? Would you just bow with me for a moment? Lord, we confess that our hearts are easily hardened. And that word, Lord, just stings. 
But we admit, Lord, that we're a people who are forgetful. We have eyes that, though we see, we often don't perceive. And so we're asking you, Lord, open your word to us today. Soften our hearts. Pour your life and your word into us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jesus crosses the lake, and this is not a big lake. Lake Sea of Galilee is only about seven or eight miles wide and about 13 miles long, but it kind of separated the Gentiles from the Jews, the Gentiles mainly being on the eastern shore and the Jews being on the northern shore and the western shore, and uh, so that's, that's kind of how it was. So he would go back and forth across the lake on a boat, and Jesus arrives, and he immediately is confronted by the Pharisees. And you have to understand a little bit about the Pharisees for this all to make sense. The Pharisees, if you remember, were the best of the best. These guys memorized huge sections of the Old Testament, like all of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and much more than that. They were the experts in the law. Matter of fact, they devised rules for keeping the rules. Imagine that. You know anybody like that? I've got a rule for keeping the rule. This is how you're supposed to do this. They were very, very smart. They were very, very well thought of. And they believed that their ability to keep the law made them acceptable to God. Get that. They believed that their goodness made them acceptable to God. And they also believed that if God were going to do anything, he would do it through them and in concert with them. But look at that first verse, verse 11. It says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. They show up and they say, Jesus, you know what? We have heard the stories We know about the people you've healed. We know about how you casted out demons. We know about how you calmed the storms. We know how you fed people. We've heard about all these miracles. But you know what, Jesus? There's a lot of people running around today doing apparent miracles. There's a lot of shysters around. There's a lot of people who are drawing crowds. So, Jesus, we need to see more. And what they're asking for, they want Jesus to do something from heaven, some kind of sign in heaven, some kind of a, of a great display in the sky, maybe like a comet, or maybe like a star, or maybe like a multitude of angels coming from heaven saying, here is the Messiah born into you in Bethlehem, maybe like that. Oh, wait a minute, that already happened, didn't it? They no doubt heard about this or saw the YouTube videos that went viral. They no doubt knew about this sign that had happened, but it had bypassed them. You see, because of their pride, God had bypassed them. Think about that for just a moment. They'd missed it. God had already delivered a sign. Jesus had delivered many other signs as well. But because of their unbelief, they missed being involved in what Jesus was about to to do. Ever been there? Ever wonder why God seems to be at work over here in these people, and God seems to be at work in these people over here, and they're not nearly as good as you, right? 
They haven't, they haven't kept the law nearly as, but God seems to be drawing them to himself. Our pride causes us to miss Jesus. And watch what Jesus does. Verse 12, he says, he sighed deeply. That's, that, that's a groan. That would actually be something you could hear, like, oh. It's like when you get that letter from the IRS, you know? Right? It's like, it's like when, when uh, you, you, the roof leaks again, right? Oh, can't believe it. Or in our house growing up, and we would bring a, the car back, and it would be a scratch on it. And my dad would just kind of go like this. And dads, if you haven't done this, you will. He just kind of duck his head and go, destructive, destructive, destructive. It's that deep groan at the, at the pit of his stomach, at the, the heart of who he was. He was, oh. He says, there will not be a sign for you. And get what he does in verse 13. And he left them. He got into the boat again and went to the other side. Jesus had just arrived, and he's confronted with these Pharisees who don't believe he is who he claims to be. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They need a sign, and what does he do? He leaves. You see, unbelief causes Jesus to depart. If you're wondering today why God is not active among you, why nothing's happening in your life, the first thing to ask yourself is, do I believe Jesus is who he said he was? Or has unbelief caused him to not be active among me and my people? Jesus departs. Verse 14. They're in the boat. They're heading out. They open their picnic basket, and they realize they don't have enough food, just to paraphrase. It says, now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. So picture this, 12 or 13 of them probably at least. They're in about a 26-foot boat. They're on the Sea of Galilee. They realize they need some food. It's going to be a long journey across the lake. They look in their little lunchbox and uh, their Tarzan lunchbox, like I had when I was a kid, open that up. Anybody have a Tarzan lunchbox? It was awesome. And a thermos that breaks the first time you use it. Um, Probably worth a lot of money today. They open the box up, and there's this loaf. And their loaves wouldn't have been very big, kind of like a large dinner roll, maybe a little bigger than that. And Jesus starts to talk about leaven. And it's almost like he's looking at that loaf going, you see that loaf? Do you see what leaven or yeast has done? It's gone throughout the lump of dough. It has caused the dough to rise to look bigger than it is. And it's just taken a little bit. Look at that loaf of bread. Look what the leaven has done. Bible doesn't record that, but that's pretty much what must have happened as they're looking at this, this loaf of bread, and they're probably all thinking, I, I get one crumb, you get a crumb. Uh, how's this going to work? Jesus looks at it, and he starts to make an analogy. He uses an illustration. He says, listen, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and beware of the leaven of Herod. 
This is the teaching point that he wants them to get. You need to beware of the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast and the leaven of Herod, or the Herodians, the followers of Herod. Herod was the king at that time. He was the, the Roman vassal that they kind of had put in charge of the people of Israel. It's a really interesting statement. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And here's what he means. He says, beware of just that little bit of insidious religious pride that gets into your life and makes you think that you're much bigger, much more than you really are. Makes you think that God has to go through you to accomplish anything. Makes you think that you're really incredible and really good. Beware of religious pride. That's what he's saying to them. See, the... the, The leaven of the Pharisees is just that. It's the pride that penetrates, that corrupts, that causes us to think we're much more than we are. Now, you don't probably know anybody like that unless you've been a part of a church. We can be like that. None of us in this room are watching today, but I'm sure you know people that were kind of like, I've got it all together. Don't you wish you were as good as me? It's a shame that you struggle with sin because I don't, praise God. And we give the Christian handshake back when we could do handshakes, remember those? The two-handed like this, oh, so good to see you, brother. I'm so good, it's a shame you've struggled this week. That religious pride is what keeps Jesus from working. It's what keeps him from working in our lives. But then he says, also beware of the the leaven of Herod. Well, what does he mean by that? What's the leaven of Herod? I I get that, that, you know, this this religious pride permeates the whole lump of the the Pharisee, but what's the leaven of Herod? See, it's another similar but almost opposite view. You see, Herod and the Herodians were a group of, they're from a family of Herod, which were kind of half-Jews, and they were the leader the governmental leaders, they governed um, Israel. And they had made a deal with Rome in order to be in charge. And that's where their power came from. They basically made a deal with the world. And he didn't really live as the children of Israel lived. He kind of set up his own way of living that was very cultural friendly. So here's what he's saying. He said that the leaven of Herod is to think that we can shape God and shape Jesus like we want Him. And that's really what is happening in some so-called churches today who really aren't followers of Jesus at all. Because it's so tempting to fit into culture and to shape our beliefs and shape our, our, um, our lifestyles based on what culture demands and, and to think that everybody is really good at their core and we need to just nurture them. See, that's not following Jesus at all. But it's very, very tempting. And you just get a little bit of that in your life to think, well, this must be a good lifestyle. My, uh, my sexual lifestyle must be good because it comes from within. No, no, listen. Jesus had to die for us. We're not good. Make no mistake, we are not good. That's why Jesus had to die. See, the leaven of Herod is the leaven that is sort of has a form of godliness, but is really sold out to the world. Beware of the leaven of Herod. It's very, very tempting. 
So what does Jesus do? That, that could end it right there, couldn't it? That, that would be enough. Beware of the leaven of, of Herod. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, beware of this. And you think they got it, but look what they say. What do they say? Verse 16, And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They still didn't get it. They're like, okay, so what Jesus must be saying, you can just what he must be saying is, listen, don't buy bread from the Pharisees or from the Herodians because their leaven is tainted. Okay, it's got COVID, it's got something, but you, we shouldn't be. We, we're worried about bread. They're just focused on the bread and not about what Jesus is really saying. And Jesus says, "Look, you guys don't get it. Don't you remember? I mean, don't you see?" Didn't you see what was happening when I fed the 5,000? And those were mainly children of Israel. And that was the picture of God feeding the 5,000 and feeding the children of Israel in the wilderness and feeding this great multitude of people. God was feeding them miraculously with manna. Remember this. And this was the same picture that Jesus was creating for them in Israel. And then he said, remember when I fed the 4,000? These are the people who are not like the children of Israel. And Jesus is saying, I'm, only not, I'm not only going to bless the children of Israel, I'm going to bless those who are outside of the children of Israel. Just like it said in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, all those, you will be a blessing to all kinds of people. See, I'm going to give life, which is the, bread is a symbol of life, to all kinds of people. I'm going to make it available. I'm going to feed them. Don't you get it? Do you still not understand? Life is not just about bread. Life is not just about sustenance. It matters. We have to eat. But Jesus wants to do so much more. He wants to go beyond our wildest dreams. But sometimes we're just focused on down here, on our basic and fundamental needs. And we miss, in fact, what Jesus wants to do to bring people to him. It's easy for us to focus on lunch rather than lives. We have to eat. It's easy for us to focus on politics rather than people. And I want to tell you, this is probably the most important election in my lifetime. And I urge you to prayerfully consider how you're going to vote and to vote the issues, not the candidates. We get so focused on success rather than souls that we miss what God wants to do through us. Let me ask you, are you more excited about the potential of a second stimulus check or more excited that a coworker has asked you about Christ? Which is more exciting to you? Are you more excited about a, a great worship moment or more excited about the fact that your team won? Or would it be more exciting for you if your candidate wins or if a great revival swept across the United States. we got to start thinking about what God wants to do and how He wants to use us to do it. We miss, we miss the great moves of God because all we can think about is food, our politics, or our own success and lifestyle. Those things matter. But what Jesus wants to do matters so much more. If we would just focus and say, I want in my prayer life, it needs to be all about the fact that what? 
that Jesus wants to reach the world. He wants to save the world. Show me how you want me to be involved. First Wednesday of every month, we're praying to be that kind of a church. Jesus, make us the kind of church that is wanting to be used by you to save the world. First Wednesday of every month, 6.33, Wednesday night, we gather here in person to pray. We pray for needs, but primarily we pray for God to make us who He wants us to be and to bring His revival into our church and into the world through us. So I believe Jesus wants to do so much more than we could ever imagine. We just need to make sure that we're not blocking Him, that we're not stopping Our unbelief doesn't stop Him. He only uses those who believe. So what about you today? Is Jesus at work? Or do you find yourself constantly wanting to shape Jesus into your life? Or are you being conformed into his? Is he at work in you? Or do you constantly say, Jesus, I need to see more. The Bible, godly people that I know, your presence in in, in worship is not enough. I need for you to write it on the wall. What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? God, I need you to show up bodily. And if you would just do that, I would believe. Let me tell you, that's never going to happen. He's already sent his son. He's already provided his word. He's constantly building his church. If you feel like you need more, you're missing the point. Or you might say, well, Steve, you know what? I just can't. My lifestyle is so different from the way the Bible says. I just don't know if I can get there. Matter of fact, I don't really want to get there. You don't really believe in Jesus then. See, he's the standard. His lifestyle, we, we, as John Mark Comer says, we are his apprentices to be like him. Or you might just say, you know, Steve, this year has been so crazy, I can't even think about that. I'm just trying to keep the kids focused on learning when they're distance learning. I'm just trying to focus on keeping my head above water. Listen, this is the time to focus on what Jesus wants to do because he wants to do amazing things. He wants to do amazing things. I don't want to picture Jesus saying, destructive, destructive, destructive. I don't want him to groan deeply. I don't want him to get back in the boat and leave. I want him to do something amazing through me, through our church. Is that your heart today? Is that your heart today? Some of you need to move from unbelief to belief. You've been refusing to really believe in Jesus. You like him, like things about him, but maybe you've never really said, Jesus, I I believe. And I want you to shape my life to be like yours. I, I want you to forgive me of my sin. You need to say that to him. Jesus, would you forgive me? I want my life to be conformed to yours. But some of you need to move beyond just praying for food and praying for wealth or success. Aren't you glad that God didn't, that Jesus didn't stop at earthly miracles? 
Aren't you glad that he's not just primarily an earthly miracle worker and say, well, I'm here to, here to fix your food today, and I'm here to heal your, your lumbago today, and I'm here to do this. Rather, he said, no, I'm, I'm here to save you eternally. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to put my spirit inside of you so you can be a part of my kingdom that's starting now that will one day transition into paradise and the new heaven and new earth. That's what I'm here to do. That's the exciting thing. Believe. Believe in Jesus. Trust Him with your life. Be conformed to Him and His mission. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make Him known. We cry out, we cry out.